Hey there! Thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG! We are an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition livestreamed actual play campaign set in an original, non-colonial, anti-orientalist world. I am your Game Master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. My name is C, I use they, them pronouns, and I play Okahaye, an Asamar blood hunter slash monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Shurzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they-she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half-orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they-them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. As a heads up, this podcast is stitched together from the video of our Twitch streams. I promise the audio quality improves as we upgrade our gear, and I'm so excited for you to listen to this campaign. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Fantasy violence, climate disaster, economic unrest, homelessness, tooth and gum gore. Arc 1, Episode 2 My hands were daylight all through the night. Notebook fragments, Ocean Vuong. A crone drinking storm. The miasma of static. Three heads bleeding power. She is become war, creator, protector, destroyer of worlds. When Liu Bai pours himself a cold glass of properly hoppy Longye beer after a long, hard day of work harvesting in preparation for the Bear's End celebrations later that night, he has no idea that the world is going to end. The humble halfling farmer props his feet up on a wooden stool and gazes out over his many-tilled acres of farmland, the scarf his husband knitted him last Adolin wrapped snugly over his chapped face, breathing in the fine scent of Morozin handiwork. But as Liu Bai lifts his glass to his lips, the sky changes. One by one, the stars wink out above his head, vanishing in systematic lines across the sky from north to south. Liu Bai stares, slack-jawed, the beer sizzling in his mouth, even as the constellation of Mengshen Zhidi, the god of knowledge and dreams that all Tiu Longans venerate, including him, winks out in an instant, and Liu Bai's farm is plunged into darkness. And then comes the earthquake. And then comes the snapping. In the championship of Nabal, people scream and run as the monumental towers of Rosso tremble and crack from the strain of the quaking 2,000 feet of sandstone, marble, and brick threatening to collapse and spell ruin for the people in the nation's capital. In the court of ravens, earls and barons in their feather-dappled robes panic as the swamp around their temples trembles and then 
boils. Steam rising in the dead of the winter night, scorching the fish and frogs within its waters alive. The smell of churning, burning flesh and death rising to the starless sky. In the commune of Morose, elders are hastily helped out of their shanties as the perennially frozen Lake Zima groans under their feet, the surface of the ice cracking and splitting, vents of hot steam erupting out of nowhere from the violent fissures, splitting open the permafrost. In the kingdom of Uhanahi, Moeatua trembles and roars. This volcano, which has been dormant for over 1,000 years, screaming back to life to the sudden horror of the people living at its base, plumes of black ash spitting into the air, accompanied not by jets of lava or molten rock, but by hailstones the size of coconuts. In the clans of Kirtal, the open, rolling fields of grass begin to undulate like storm-tossed waves upon the ocean, throwing grazing horses and elk onto their sides, rocking yurts off their stilts, whipping up sandstorms the size of cities among the storied dunes of the Tenushlek Desert. In the united tribes of Jukai, trees splinter and crack down to their tangled root systems, crashing onto the ground. Boom, boom, boom! Animals and people alike screaming and fleeing their interconnected settlements of mud, brick, and stone. And finally, in the Republic of Talmud, Oka, Manaya, Dewey, and V. The four of you stand in the middle of the ruined birthing chamber, plumes of crimson pebbles spilling onto the marbled floor in radiant columns of dust. Cracks spiderweb across the vaulted dirt-red ceiling, a testament to the power of the earthquake or whatever the hell it was that hit you a mere handful of minutes ago. This earthquake was accompanied by a horrific, inexplicable snapping noise that was everywhere and nowhere at once. It sounded like a dragon's heart exploding, or the strings of the universe being gutted with box cutters. Oka, you stand at the edge of the crumbled wall of the butte, the wintry night air buffeting and biting at your stone-gray cheeks. Your twin pupils scan the sprawling expanse of darkness but come up empty. The stars, once so numerous and bright that nighttime travel in Endake is not only safe but advisable, the stars are gone. There is only darkness. There is only the empty. And the screaming. The far-away noise of people being killed in the worst ways imaginable and the inevitable reason. The gut-wrenching snarling, howling, hissing, and hooting of strange creatures in the distance. Noises that you, in your many years of hunting monsters, Oka, you have never heard before. Manaya, Dewey, and V. The three of you stand, blood-wreathed, astride the raised stone dais where, just moments ago, a copper dragonborn woman was giving birth in a bathtub full of water. Thanks to Dewey's efforts, that bathtub is now halfway between the dais and the entryway that you and your companions came in from. 
The remnants of the monsters that attacked you lie scattered on the ground. A fetid pool of pulsing flesh is all that remains of that chain-wrapped creature, and the charred bodies of those hairless, two-legged, dog-sized monstrosities lie next to it. The dragonborn woman holds her newborn baby in her arms. She's surrounded by her five companions. That human person with a shaved head, an older fearbowl wearing simple robes, a kenku boy, a halfling girl, and finally, a muscular half-elf woman with short brown hair and plain, if striking, features. This half-elf woman, this high steward, as you'd heard her being referred to, regards your party with a mixture of suspicion and reluctant gratitude. The high steward stands guardedly in front of Dalapathy Sayid. Ah, yes, Dalapathy Sayid. That pink-skinned tiefling with pure blue eyes, corkscrew horns, and a well-manicured goatee. He nervously dusts off his overalls and inclines his chin at your party in thanks, presumably for saving his and everyone else's lives from those monsters. What do the four of you do? Oka's gonna continue to stare into the night sky, waiting, like waiting for the stars to come back. Roll nature for me as you're looking out into the expanse. A handsome six. A handsome six, I'll resolve that in a minute. V, what do you do? I'm going to go to the half elf. I guess I want to roll insight. I want to see if she, if I can read her body language about what's going on at all. Yeah, why don't we roll insight yeah. just to read her body language? Dewey? I want to go look at the baby and take care of it. Dewey, you stride forward toward the baby. Manaya, what do you do? Yeah, so at the end, end of the last session, Manaya asked how the children were, just in general, specifically how the baby was. Seeing that the newborn is in good hands, I'll go to the halfling and the Kenku child and make sure they're doing okay. Oka, with your handsome, with your gentleman's six, there was nary a cloud in the sky when you first entered the butte, so it would be very odd for extremely dense clouds to cover and cover the stars at this point. The more likely explanation is that they're just gone, which also doesn't make sense. And as you're looking out over this black expanse, you, you sort of recall the, the, the shaking that happened earlier, and that felt very much like an earthquake. And now, V, you, what did you get for your insight roll? 19. 19! Okay. Ooh, hello! Nice! V, you sort of cock your head to the side and you squint at this high steward. There's suspicion, there's paranoia in her eyes based on that. There's a part of her that's joyous because she's looking at you, she's like guarding doll, doll and then she's like holding her, her arms out to receive this newborn baby in her arms. Uh, Dewey, you step forward, and as you do, this uh, shaved head human person, their hand rests upon your shoulder, and you feel something familiar, which is a uh, healing magic begin to begin to seep into your wounds. But before you roll to see how much you heal, the magic suddenly dissipates, right? It's like violin strings being cut. It poof, it poof. Like the weave that was powering this magic poof, snaps. And this person actually lets out like a... Uh, and they, they let go of your shoulder and they sort of take a few steps back and they try again, but nothing happens. They try again, but nothing happens. And the fear bulg looks over. Jochi, what's wrong? And Jochi, this human person, 
goes a little pale, right? They lower their hand and they um, use sign language and they gesture back at the sphere bowl. Do any of you know sign language? Probably not, right? Okay, that's fine. None of you really know what this human person is saying, but then this fearboat goes, What? Hi, hi, Steward Tamba. I know. This isn't good. Joji, are you sure? And this human person just nods. Uh, and then turns and suddenly runs toward the uh, overturned altar. And the Kenku boy hops over and starts helping them out. They both look really frantic. The halfling girl looks up and says, what? What's going on? What did the f- what did the four of you do? Why can't Jochi feel our god? Feel your god, Oka says. Yes, Jochi is our cleric. They heal us when we're injured. They they just said that they couldn't they couldn't feel Nectus anymore. You have to be joking! How dare you? What? <laughs> V is going to try to cast a cantrip, like a ray of frost, just like straight up in the air, just to see if she still has magic. Okay, you fling, you fling your palm open, and you cast ray of frost, and it comes out because you don't because you don't get your magic right from a god. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it comes out, and just this beam of frost just shoots into the air and disperses like fireworks, little bits of snowflakes raining down on everyone. Uh, this high steward, this half elf woman, says. I won't make Haipu ask again. What did the four of you do to us? Manaya, at this comment, she stands up and says, We saved you. <laughs> you call this salvation? I call it Go not ahead. getting eaten by whatever that was. Big words for a big woman, but size isn't everything. Uh, and this high steward, like, strides up to you. She's significantly shorter than you, Manaya, because you're, like, what, like, seven six. She's like maybe, she's like six feet tall, but you're still like a foot and a half taller than her. But she starts to like, as if she wants to fight you, like starts to move forward. She still has her baby in her her arms. Uh, But as she begins to move forward, this dragonborn woman throws out a, a copper claw. And then she goes, honey, I don't think that the four of you are responsible for this. I do Oh, I have an idea about who might be responsible. Oka, now is not the time. No, I think it is the time. No. You deign. You deign to provoke the ire of the eight willingly? The gods already deign to turn their backs to us at will, and yet you sacrilege to one god and not the other? How dare you? This is your fault, not ours. The Fearbulk just sort of mutters under his breath, common words from common folk. And the dragonborn woman goes, I understand why you might be upset. It is unusual, and we recognize this, to worship one of the lovers over the other. We do this not to draw the ire of the gods, but to venerate their true history. Please, honey, let me... We are the Copper Stewards. We belong to the Stewards of the Metallic Order, which is the greater siblinghood that that we owe our fealty to. My name is Najwa. We dedicate our lives to protecting the last of the dragons. The last of the dragons. Is this a fucking joke? V V is going to laugh out loud at this. We know that commoners, as we call those who aren't part of the order, can't wrap your minds around the truth that dragons are still out there, but 
It's true. Dragons are still out there. In fact, we, we venerate the last of her kind, Amarai the Copper, the last copper dragon in existence. Nectus created the metallic dragons. Skad created the chromatic dragons, and you might be aware of some acrimonious history between our two sects. V's gonna laugh again and be like, I, look, look, friends, you can believe what you want. This is free country, but this is free world. But personally, anyone I know who uh, believes in dragons has proven to be a little bit uh, not trustworthy when it comes to telling the truth, which is saying a lot coming from me, let me tell you, first of all. And second of all, I don't believe in any gods, so I find this to be utterly ridiculous. I personally would just like to get paid and get out of here and let you all do what you do in weird rooms in buttes. Dewey's trying to get, uh, get in the word like, can, wait, where, uh, can I see the factual evidence on the existence of dragons, please, before we go any further? But no one's listening to him. This dragonborn woman, woman Najwa, says, none of us have actually seen Amarai, except, uh. except Tamba, our leader, and my wife. I've seen Amarai. Yeah, and I'm a princess. Amarai only consorts with the High Steward, and I am the High Steward. Any truth spells that have been cast upon me remain true when I say I have seen Amarai the Copper. Yeah, and I can eat a bunch of mushrooms and see Amarai the, the Copper myself. Amarai the Copper! Sure. All of this aside. Whether you or can not... see whatever mirages you want to, but we have a bigger problem, which is that the stars are gone and they are not coming back. So what the hell do you think that you were doing in here? What have you done? What have we done? We were trying to assure the safe birth of my firstborn. Thank you very much. I'm sure any expectant mother would want safe conditions for the birth of their child, would they not? Which is where this piece of crap comes in. She turns around and looks at Dahl, who is at this entire time has been sneaking toward the door, right? And he's like, he's like halfway out the door, but he goes, and his like tail shoots up, and he turns around and says, oh, my position in all of this is uh, just a big misunderstanding, I assure you. Uh, these fine folk, uh, believed that I was an experienced doula, uh, as many of my, let's say, tales of adventure claim, uh, somewhat inaccurately. And he sort of turns around and does like a, oh, silly me, my bad. I like you already, doll. Thank you, I like you too. Now, if you don't mind, I have my husband to get back to and a dinner party. Speaking of that, uh, we would love to stay and, uh, Meet the baby and all, but I don't think we are quite welcome yet. I would love to help you move the dais back if you'd if you'd have me. But we really should get be getting back, doll. I have a I have a I have a thing for you. A thing for me. Yes, but I don't believe what we have for you is to be given in, uh, and I mean this in the lightest way possible, mixed company. Manaya uh, glances at the children. Najwa, the dragonborn woman, sort of she like slowly clambers out of this tub. We're not evil. We're not a cult. We're not bad people. We say thank you to those who help us, don't we, darling? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Yes, we do, honey. Hypu, do you mind grabbing some of the Nectus tokens in my bedroom? And the halfling girl goes, really? For them? 
Yes, just twenty or so. If you say so, steward. And the halfling girl skitters out of the room, and she returns in a few brief moments with a sack, a bulging sack full of presumably coins or tokens, and she hands it out to your party. Uh, and Najwa goes, this is a gesture of our gratitude, and so you might not think less of us because of this. Is anyone going to take the sack? I'm going to what? take the sack before V can get to it specifically. <laughs> okay. Um, your generosity is very much appreciated, but we could not take from a uh, new mother. Oh, no, please. <laughs> Amarai the Copper provides, and she asks that we pay that kindness forward. In that satchel are twenty what we call nectus tokens. Why, why don't you why don't you pull one out and see, see what it looks like? Yeah. So Manayo heard what Oka was saying earlier with the bad luck and everything. So she's gonna open the sack, like okay. pull it open, but she's not gonna take one out. Okay. You open it and you see inside twenty coins. Some of them seem to have a blank face on one side, and the others show that the other side has a, uh, an etching of a set of bagpipes. And Najwa says. If you're feeling in need of luck, you flip a token into the sky and you give a, a, a prayer to Nectus and she may answer it. What this means mechanically is whenever you make an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw, a player can toss a coin in the air and declare a number between 1 and 20. If the declared number is the actual number rolled, the roll counts as a critical hit, no matter what. If it does not, the number rolled is treated as normal, and the token will vanish after being used. In that case, Manaya is going to uh, put the satchel in one of her many large pockets on the inside of her cloak, uh, glancing very, very briefly at V, and say, Now, Dal, before you leave, I have something for you, but we really should be getting this dais back. Uh, I'm sorry yes. about the altar. Uh, of course. I'm just, a, I'm just a little keen on getting back to Cawthor. I hesitate to let you go on your own, considering Oka gestures to themselves, covered in pus and blood. Benai is also at 1 HP. Yeah, y'all are fucked up. I, I, I do want to get back, but perhaps a rest is in order after we, we help these fine folk move this dais back into place. Uh, and Tama goes, <laughs> I see you're capable of making considerate actions when provoked. Very well. Usually, we would not let outsiders, commoners, who know of our secret go so easily, but I think my wife has other intentions, and I will respect her intentions. Elka's not gonna help. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're just gonna sit in the um, corner and, uh, uh sulk? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Zvi is going to gently, very gently, in a very sweet tone, just be like, you know, these tokens, uh, what is their market value? Because I remember hearing a conversation that 5,000 gold pieces was our agreed upon terms and conditions here. Who are you talking to? Uh, I'll talk to Tom. Tomba? 5,000? I lied. That's your reward. Don't think I won't forget this. And uh, then I'm going to go over to <laughs> Dahl. Dahl sort of also sulking with Oka, let's say, sort of nursing, nursing his wounded pride. What about you, Dewey? Yeah, I want to get to Dahl as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, when all of you sort of finish doing your tasks, you have some time to chat with Dahl before you set out. Uh, and as all of you sort of walk up to him, he goes, Oh, hello, my rescuers, my heroes. Uh, he looks a little nervous. What What did you need your old friend Dahl for? We're taking you back to your farm. Oh, thank you. 
I appreciate the escort is much appreciated. I I was going to ask for one, but I appreciate the um, offer. Right after he says that, I'm going to cast message to speak directly into the doll's mind okay. and say, "I've I've come to discuss the vaults of Benoit with you." Oh 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 oh! That must be you. Sorry for those who didn't hear. V said, "I've come to discuss the vault of Benoit with you." Uh, yes, about that and about any other reasons you might be. Looking at me for and Del sort of pauses and looks at you, Dewey. What? Why are you looking for me? That that's, a, that's a nice watch. Do you know anything about? Can I speak to you privately? Uh, I. Okay, I just I gotta come clean. Dalapathy Said is my name, but I I'm not a famous adventurer. I'm I'm a bard. That's the one thing I'm good at. I'm good at s- spreading rumors about how good I am. Cuthor and I, please don't tell anyone, we're sort of in on this together. Uh, we don't. We try not to scam poor people. Everyone who's here for our Adolin party is a, is a rich, stupid noble from Solmanad. We're gonna take their money. But I can assure you, and this is to thank you for escorting me back home and rescuing us from those monsters, that these stories are true. They're just not based on me. They're based on someone else. I actually spoke to them. I ran into them a couple years ago when I was scoping out the Euclidean chasm, you know, out out east uh, for for mm. creative inspiration. I thought maybe I'd paint it or something. And, and I ran into this person after a pack of wild hyenas attacked me. Um, and they saved me. They took me back to their homestead and they nursed me back to health. I had a, I had a nasty hyena bite. They, they showed me their inventions. They showed me their collection of magical items. They showed... They they would spar sometimes out back, you know. I heard I listened to their stories of what they'd done, and I was surprised they that they had not decided to claim fame. So I decided, well, if these stories aren't being put to use by this person, I might as well use them. Mm. If you're looking for the real Dalapathy Saeed, you want to look for this person instead. Their name is Doctor Hitsaguten Oluso. Do you have contact information for them? I know where they live. They're very reclusive. Yeah. Uh, they're a little, uh, how do I put it, uh, eccentric? Uh, they they live like near- They Not eccentric like me. I think they're eccentric, and I'm an eccentric person. They live by the Euclid Chasm, which, if you, you know, hug the gods by, and it'll probably be anywhere from 40 to 60, no, 40 to 50 days travel. That's only if you're slow about it. Do you think they would know something about what's going on? If anyone on Andake knows what's going on, it's Dr. Eluso. I- and I'm not lying, I'm really not exaggerating here. They're very, uh, they know- they know their shit. If this is another goose chase, I'm gonna come back here, and I'm not even gonna tell you what I'm gonna do to you, do you understand? Understood. And I'm going to come with them. Okay. He's gonna be part of the th- this threat as well. I don't look like much, but, uh, <laughs> he trails off. You'll peck me to death? Sorry, I could resist. Rest assured, we won't kill you. Your husband would not be happy. Yes, no, he wouldn't be. Cawthor is much more stand-up than me. But there are things worse than death. Speaking of Cawthor, we really should get going. Yes, we need to get get back to my beloved. Uh, By the way, uh, Dalapathy, was it? Yes, Dalapathy Saeed. I have a message from you, for you from, uh, a Miss Lahahana, talk oh. lady about this tall. Oh yes, Lahahana, how is she? It's been years. 
Oh, I'm sure it has. She's doing very well. She's uh, I'm act she's actually my captain on her ship. Oh, that's uh, lovely. On the ruffled turret. Mm -hmm. She wanted me to let you know that, um, well, she hopes you're doing well, of course. Oh. And uh, she misses your uh, <clears throat> skills. Ah. And I'm sorry to say, and we should probably step away just a little bit. And she motions distinctly away from V. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, yes, of course. I had a, uh, a letter for you. It seemed like a, a banknote uh, from Lahahana, from, his, from the captain. Unfortunately, your husband... Um... <gasps> no, Cawthor saw? Did Cawthor see um, the letter? I don't think he looked at it for long enough to read it. What do you mean he looked at it? Before ripping it up went. and throwing it into the oh, fire. Oh, no. I am so sorry. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, you the buffy saved me. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we need to get... I need to get back. I need to explain myself to my husband. It's not... It was... Cawthor, it was 20 years ago. Just let's hurry. I, I agree. Do we, are we taking, was, was this our short rest? Yeah, should we yeah, take yeah, the you should take the benefits of a short rest. So like roll your dice, you know, like regain any spells you might be able to regain or features. Tamba and Najwa sort of see you off. They give you torches, they give you a lantern. Tamba with something of a threat in her voice says, don't tell anyone about us. Got it, especially you. Sort of looks at you, V. I make no promises after I did not get paid. And then Tamba sort of stops in front of you, Manaya, looks up at you and says, For some reason, I I feel like I can trust you. Make sure word of the Copper Stewards doesn't get out. She, uh, Manaya uh, puts her hand on her chest and she says, By the fires and waves of Mahu, I give my word. I don't know why, but I, I almost feel like I know you. Safe travels, and don't let your lips flap. Uh, and they retreat back into the butte, and the four of you travel. Beacons lit, torches aloft for Fireroot Farm. On your way back, let's say it's really dark. This oppressive darkness sort of is like pushing in on you, and you, you can't see beyond what the light of your beacons is shedding. And you can hear the hooting and hollering and screaming in the distance of strange monsters attacking people, presumably. And every now and then you hear what appears to be a very distant, low growling. Whenever that, the first time that happens, Del stops and goes, What the hells was that? That almost sent my soul into the after. I don't know what's going on. The stars are gone. Those monsters. Oh, I just need to get back to my husband. That's all I know. Can I use my Hunter's Bane to make an intelligence check to try to recall any information about anything that's going on with these monsters? Yes, you can. Just in general intelligence check. I think this travel time is a good time for folks to try to recall information about what the hell is going on. So why don't all of you, the rest of you, roll nature? Ah! Okay, I what did you get? a five and a one. Ooh, balls. Uh, yes. This is seven total. You... Bad dice, bad dice. All you know is that you've never seen these monsters before and you've never heard of them before either, which is unusual. You've at least kind of heard of a monster before. This is extremely unusual, but beyond that, you don't know. What do the rest of you get on your nature checks? 15. Nat 20 plus four. Nat 20 plus wow. four. Nice. Ah, I haven't rolled anything higher than a fucking seven today. Oof. Uh, what about you, Manaya? 21. Let's go in uh, order from lowest to highest. So V with a 15, that's commendable. The shaking felt like an earthquake. There's something a little strange about it. This was a little too short and a little too intense, 
but also not quite intense enough to be an earthquake. Something about it just doesn't sit right with you. You remember that snapping noise, but you don't know what to make of it. It felt like it was nowhere and everywhere at once. Devin, with your 21, you know that this feels like an earthquake, but it was not. And Dewey, not only was the earthquake unnatural and the snapping noise strange, but the snapping noise seemed to originate beyond the now. The now is uh, Andake's term for the material plane. It seemed to originate from beyond the material plane. A conclusion you could draw from this is that the snapping noise was so loud or so like universe rending that it like cut through all of the planes. And when you finally get back to the farm, let me paint you a word picture. Uh, you see that Fireroot Farm is a beacon of hope amidst a sea of darkness. The five of you see the light of the farmhouse on the flat horizon, many long minutes before you reach it, and Dahl very briskly strides along the road, his blue eyes fixed upon his home where he knows his husband is anxiously waiting. And by the time the five of you reach the farmhouse, somehow avoiding encounters with monsters through some marvelous twist of luck, Manaya, the token seemed to burn a little in your pocket when no monsters attack. Dalapathy is already 10 paces ahead, and he rushes past the various parked carriages and wagons that now like litter the farmhouse of Solmanad's nobility. He dashes up the porch, and he bursts in through the front door. And Cawthor is in the sitting room, garbed in his denim apron, his japron, if you will, talking in these hushed, frightened tones with well-dressed guests obsessively looking out the windows at the starless sky. You notice that a few furniture pieces are overturned, a few dishes are smashed across otherwise spotless floors, presumably from the earthquake that likewise shook the butte. And as soon as Cawthor is visible, a Dalapathy just runs right up to him and hugs him. Tears are sort of streaming down his face. Um, and Cawthor just holds on to Dahl, and you hear Cawthor say, uh, sort of muffled against Dahl's chest, I thought the worst happened. I, th I thought maybe this time he really got hurt, or, or even worse, um, before his words are swallowed by the guests gasping at Dahl's sudden and dramatic return. And then a swell of relieved voices and anxious chatter consumes the reunited couple as their visitors swarm. Um, and as the four of you stand at the threshold, do you do anything? Oga's gonna kind of turn away okay. from the party and step down the porch and just kind of stand in the yard looking at the sky. Who's gonna follow Oka? V's actually gonna follow suit, but like keep distance from Oka and Dewey. You said the party is trying to crowd around Hathor and Dalapathy here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to get them away to have, to have let them have their moment. And be like, all right, all right, let, let the lovely couple have their moment. These these Solmanad nobles step away, but they look a little affronted, maybe. But Cawthor just sort of looks up at you, Dal sort of like holding Cawthor from behind, like hugging him. And Cawthor goes, you did this, didn't you? You brought him back safe and sound. I wasn't alone. Cawthor sort of leans and sees the rest of you sort of like awkwardly standing nearby. He says, thank you. Thank you for bringing Dal back safe. Let's have a good party, as much as we can, and talk later. If you ever need a place to crash, Fireroot Farm is home. I assume the rest of you are probably pretty nervous to get back to where you're from or go on to the next leg of your journey. Do any of you, of you know what the hell is happening? 
we we got hit by an earthquake or something, and then the stars went out. And we there's all this growling. I does anyone know what what doll? Do you know what's going on? And the guests go, oh yes, if anyone knows what's going on, it's doll. They all like turn to doll, and doll goes, well, the true beginning of the story begins four years ago. I was making my way down the heavenly road, and he just sort of like starts starts going on a story, and all the guests turn and start to listen to him. Uh, listen to him uh, spin bullshit, let's say. Um, I would like to pickpocket some rich folks. Oh my god. Okay. At least one. First roll perception to find a target. Uh, what about the rest of you? Dewey's wow. not comfortable yeah, in social situations. Nor is Oka. Oka's far more comfortable standing guard outside, which is what they're going to do until everyone else is ready to leave, which might end up being the morning, if we're smart about this. Dewey, are you also outside? Manaya's going to come out to you too. You're leaving V alone? <laughs> They're rich. They can spare whatever coins they have in their pocket. Like, I mean, yeah, they are rich people. V, what did you roll on your perception? 11. You you spot you, uh, another Eric Kokra in the crowd. This one is much taller and more intimidating than Dewey. Sort of like a tawny eagle, but has like streaks of like crimson feathers in her plumage. She she stands out to you because you see a huge bulging pouch, sort of like dangling from her waist. She has like an eye patch over over one eye. She's talking with uh, a lizard folk man. I would like to first off, like before I like enter the house and stuff, I'm gonna cast disguise self. Okay. And make myself look. Like a like a noble woman, you know, very dressed, nicely dressed, maybe uh, hair quite nicely done in sort of an elaborate sort of updo sort of style. The type of person who might stop a woman when she enters. I would like to go to this uh, Eric Oaken woman and be like, darling, oh my goodness, I was admiring your, your feathers. They're just, they have such a beautiful shine and like i want to like get like a little touchy feely oh. and uh you know while admiring her i want to try to rob her okay using you know slight hand. hand okay uh, as you admire her she goes what do i know you i don't know you i don't know you either uh i don't i just walked into a room and i see this gorgeous gorgeous uh you see uh, due, bird. To, due to the kind of disguise you've chosen for yourself everyone's staring at you so the difficulty class for your sleight of hand shake is going to be higher. So roll sleight of hand. <laughs> A nat one. I, I deserve that. Oh my god, that. Erica. You need to like burn your dice or something. Uh, okay. Uh, tell me how you I'll fail. Take that. Uh, so I'm like, you know, admiring her feathers and I'm like you know getting the body like near where there may be some valuables a gold pouch perhaps and um does she have did you say like does she have a weapon on her or anything yeah she seems to have a dagger strapped to her right side let's for the sake of argument pretend that the gold pouch and the dagger are next to each other and I I'm I'm like I can't see I'm like on the opposite side so I'm reaching around and what I think is a pouch is the dagger and I like quickly try to yank on it and it um all of a sudden it pulls out and I've got like the dagger in my hand. I'm like, and you know, she, suddenly, uh, not- suddenly she thinks I'm attacking her. And I'm like, uh, uh, no, this this is yours. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. What the, what the hell do you think you're, not only have like, you taken out the dagger, but you fumbled so bad that you slashed open the pouch. But instead of oh. gold pieces 
falling onto the ground, it's claws. They appear to be claws of like an animal or a beast or a monster or something. They just clatter, 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 clatter like little caltrops onto the onto the ground. They scatter everywhere. Um, and as soon as they scatter, they come to life and they start like moving. They like start like running around like all over. The- Everyone starts <laughs> screaming. She goes, "What the hell? Is- what the hell? Is- what the hell do you think you're playing at?" And she like grabs she her dagger so back and she goes, "Damn it! Come back here, my little Sallies. Come back here, Salamanders." And I'll just I'll look at everyone who's like probably horrified and be like, yeah. "They will let anyone into these parties." <laughs> uh, that's how the night goes for you, V. Manaya, why don't I have like a quick scene with Manaya, Dewey, and Oka? Uh, Manaya is going to walk up next to them. She's not going to like make direct eye contact. She's also going to look basically out and say, "How are you doing?" Oh, you know, about as well as one could when you start the day drunk and end it with, uh, whatever this is. I can be just fine. Just, I don't want parties. You're worried about the party? Yes, obviously I'm worried about whatever is going on. You're kind of funny, you know that? Thank you? I'm just anxious about getting onto the next leg of our journey and hopefully not having the world collapse into oblivion. So you want to go see the doctor, too? Yes. And you? Oka gestures to Manaya. Well, I suppose I don't have a choice now, do I? Suppose not. That was some good fighting, though. It would be nice to have you on the same team. Funny how you praise me, the one who flew into the thing's mouth from 20 feet in the air. <laughs> you gave me the idea. Oh, and let's not discount Mr. Flying sword over here. Oh, yeah, what the hell is that? Just something I whipped up. That wasn't, you know. Oh, something I whipped up. Instead of the doctors, we should be asking you what's going on. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Well, I know this much. I used to live in the Badlands. I could take us through with some ease. That sounds like a good plan. Somehow I feel safer with traveling the two of you. I don't know about the one in there. <laughs> I'm sure she'll tag along. Uh, as you as you mentioned, V, all of you sort of hear uh, the claws. Get the claws! And like screaming, <laughs> screaming from his side. <laughs> that seems like a really cute way to end the scene. The four of you sort of like wind down for the night. You manage to get the party back to normal with Manaya's help. Uh, the claws are gathered up and thrown back into a pouch. The Aarakocra woman stays away from V for the rest of the night. There is this mild petition to eject V from the party that Kothor prevents. And then all the nobles head back early. Most of them have brought like their own like bodyguards. They're pretty anxious to get back to Solmanad and see what's going on in the city. And the four of you are invited inside for a nightcap in their guest bedroom. The awkward thing is there are only two guest bedrooms and they both only have a, a single bed. So who do you shack up with? What is this, fan fiction? Yes, it what is. is so who do, you, who do you shack up with? Oka has a bad role, so they'll sleep on the floor. Does do we know what happened with V and the other Aarakocra woman? V might have filled you in, but if not, then pr- you probably don't know what happened. Uh, I'm not going to tell them anything. Yeah, but do you do see the other Aarakocra person, like just like wandering around. So, okay, you're sleeping on the floor. Who's your roommate, Oka? You pick. I'll keep an eye on V. Great. Oka and V, and Manaya and Dewey. Uh, Manaya is going to... She's going to stand against the wall and sort of nod off and then eventually kind of sit up against the wall, but let Dewey have the bed. 
And uh, like this, the four of you fall into an uneasy slumber, your mind roiling with what the hell is happening? Why couldn't the gods be contacted? I was just gonna say, to keep in with V, is that because I only need four hours for a long rest, I'm gonna make sure Oka is damn asleep for a few hours, and then I'm gonna fall asleep and wake up early. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So that's- Oka snores. Yeah, Oka snores very loud. That's probably, probably also why I also- <laughs> Great. <laughs> Um, so now we're gonna cut to a BRB screen. Uh, you all wake up to light filtering through the windows. There's something about the sky that seems strange. Why don't all of you make a perception check? Nat 20. Falls! Don't forget, you have collective inspiration. Well, that would have been good to remember last <laughs> night, wouldn't it? Nine for doing that. Nine for doing. A ten for Oka. Clean nineteen. Clean nineteen for Manaya. Oka and Dewey, the two of you look out at the sky and you see just sort of like a kind of dull, it looks duller than usual. Usually this guy here would be like blue, blue sky, maybe like a few clouds, none of that. It's not blue, it's just sort of like a dull gray like a dull grayish tan. And as you looked out at your feathers, you, you would notice for the first time just how much the color of the sky affects how you appear. You also look dull, as do you, Oka. I mean, you're already gray, but you look more colorless and lifeless than you usually do. Manaya and V, the two of you not only notice this strange new colorless, lifeless sky, but there is no sun. The sun is gone. And you know that the sun is embodied by Galtengur, who is one of the eight gods. She is the god of sun, field, uh, and open sky. The sun is gone. Mm -hmm. uh, so as the four of you make your way you know, out of the bed, you put your clothes back on, you go downstairs and you see that Dalapathy and Kothor have set up a cute little meal for the four of you, some congee, which is like a kind of rice porridge with some like pickled radish and like some uh, steamed buns with meat in them and some like dumplings, some xiaolongbao, uh, as well as some like fried, fried egg and tomato dish and some um, stir fried uh, green string beans for breakfast. They, the two of them entreat the four of you to eat and over breakfast, uh, both Dal and Kothor bring up the fact that there's no sun in the sky. And Kothor says, I actually, um, I stayed up all night. I watched the darkness become lighter and lighter, but Galtanger did not bring the sun. It just got lighter all at once. I've never seen anything like this. Dal says, Happy New Year? Oh, yeah, I, I almost Man, forgot it was it's... it was Adolin yesterday. It's the, the first day of the first month of, of the new year. We are starting it quite in an interesting way. Interesting is one way to put it. Yeah, you can say that again. I think what Cawthor and I are going to do is, we're probably going to close the farm to visitors for a little while. We need to focus on our safety. Focus on ourselves. That's, that's smart. Don't go out without protection. Oh no, we're definitely sure. gonna be using uh, my my usual bodyguard. We, we, gave, we gave her Adolin off, which is why I was so easily taken by the stewards. What do you know about them well, anyways? Not much more beyond what they had told you. They came to me when I was harvesting, you know, in the north field. I was cleaning, cleaning off the beets. 
they came up to me, they had those two dog lizard things, the, the drakes, I think they called them. Um, and it was that, that, um, that human person and the Kenku boy who came up to me. They were very polite. They said they were a big fan of my birthing work. And they said, you know, they asked for my help to help deliver a difficult birth. And they, they also asked for my discretion, but they said in exchange, I would be privy to uh, never before seen organizations in her workings. So, you know, curiosity got the better of me. I, I, I can't give up a good story, you know, and it's right there. I completely empathize with your position. Thank Although you. Although, might I recommend this story stay between Yes, just, us. just the six of us. Cothor says, <clears throat> you're not going to uh, tell Lahahana, are you, honey? <laughs> Dal goes, whoop, I'm gonna go harvest some beets now. And uh, the four of you finish up breakfast. What's the game plan here? Manaya, you have friends and contacts back in Solmanad, so you might want to like check check in with the Ruffle Turn if you want to. I think Oka maybe proposes taking Victoria and Dewey to where the the hounds were last stationed in the Badlands. Give the address to Manaya and wait for her there. Yeah, I think V is also like gonna have a little heart to heart with everyone and be like, "Look, friends, I know what up to this point I've." Look, my name's not Victoria. You all can just call me V. I tell you what, I... I'm, short for I'm Victoria. Looking, it's short for a lot of things, friend. I don't <laughs> have time to explain. I uh, see. That being said, I've got nowhere to go. The world seems to have changed very rapidly. I would rather, you know, go with you all and see where this leads. If there's somebody who knows what's going on, I would like to be one of the first people to know what's going on for my own purposes. However, I require a deposit of five of those uh, coins that were given to you last night. And then I'll do, I will be very, I will be your best friend. I promise you, I will do nothing of the sort to make your lives miserable. I trust you all. I fought alongside you all. Uh, but that was just one time and just last night. So you'll forgive me if I'm a little bit hesitant to just go on this 40-day adventure with you all. So here's what I'll say. Then you will get you will get your five coins, and whoever else wants them, I think it's fair that we each get five coins for whoever wants them. But they will stay with me until I meet you at your hounds of what was it? Mercy, hounds of mercy. Yes, very ironic. I will meet you when I meet you there. I will distribute them as a sort of safety precaution, how you, you might say. I don't want any cursed coins. V, if you I'll come along quietly, you can have my five as well. This sounds like a great idea. I think a deposit on your deposit for me sounds great. I, I agree to these terms and conditions. So oh, from now mom. on, you have paid you have paid for a friend V Nakshers, who's the best friend to have. We're paying for you? <laughs> Manaya, you take your pouch of coins and you set off to Solmanad. While Oka, Dewey, and V, the three of you head out to Ujad, which is the village where the Hounds of Mercy are currently stationed. Let's start with Manaya. Manaya, the journey back to Solmanad is long, muted due, due to the sky, and strange. Uh, the howling of the night creatures that sort of plagued last night are absent. In, in their absence comes a kind of strange silence, an unnatural quiet where there aren't any, like, birds chirping, no insects or locusts going, nothing. It's just your footsteps against the hard, parched earth, and your eyes on the horizon to your south. 
Somlanad, as you know, is a city by the sea, split into two halves. The top half is built into the rocky bluffs that overlook the boundary waters, where the majority of residences, taverns, shops, and entertainment venues are located. The bottom half of the city is built along the beach, at the bottom of the cliffs, where a robust harbor commands the trade center of Somlanad and all of northern Talmud in general. There are a few, you know, beachfront residential properties primarily inhabited by poorer folk who hawk their wares to sailors and live in raised shacks by the sea. Manaya, when you re-enter Solmanad, you are greeted by chaos. Uh, toppled buildings, overturned merchant carts, smashed windows and walls, broken debris scattered everywhere. People are sort of picking through the street calling out random names, nursing wounds, sort of like, like leaning against like devastated like buildings. To your left, you see uh, a gnome pinned underneath a crumbled building, gasping in pain as four other people work to lift the cement block, trapping his small body under the wreckage. And to your right, you see a crying child being desperately comforted by her father as they stand in front of the crumbled skeleton of what used to be their home. And you also see a Goliath woman sort of stumbling through the street, staring like wide-eyed, you know, at the, at the sunless sky above her head, ranting and raving out loud to absolutely no one. She's sort of going, The eight have forsaken us! Cry, cry, make your peace with death! That noise was the sound of gods fleeing us on the holiest night of holy nights. Cry, cry, we are forsaken! You're really splitting Manaya into like eight different directions, huh? All right. Um, <laughs> uh, she's gonna go up to the Goliath woman. Okay. How tall is this Goliath? It's eight feet tall, which is taller than Okay, you. yeah. I, I expected that. Uh, I'm going to go up to her and pretty aggressively grab her hand okay. and get her attention. I say, hey, Do you, you care about the gods so much? I, I care not for the deities that have abandoned us, young lady. Uh, Manai is going to pull her hand so that they come face to face, like uh, two inches apart, and, and, and say, Do you care for the people? The people. <laughs> the people. I am one of the people. Do you care for me? Manai is going to briskly turn around and forcibly pull this Mogliath as much as she can towards this okay. crying child. Okay. Yes, cry, cry. The gods have forsaken you, child. Cry. Amanai's going to whip around and slap her clean across the face. Ooh, okay. And say, get this child to safety. That's a strong backhand you have there, young lady. Okay, I'll get this child to safety. Come with me, child. The father goes, no. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought she was alone. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no. Sorry, I should, I should have made it more clear that the child was with her father. Scratch all that. Okay, yeah, scratch. sorry about that. Uh -huh. The father's like, absolutely the fuck Whoops. not. <laughs> okay. um, after, let's say, like, right as you're confronting the Goliath, you see from the corner of your eye that the gnome is dragged out from underneath the okay. cement. Yeah, and he's being administered first aid. Okay. Yeah. When you when you give me people to help, Manaya sure. is just like, boom, boom, boom. I hear that. And actually, why don't you take inspiration for that? I really like the way you approach the situation. Uh, so, Manaya, right as you're like confronting this like Goliath woman, you hear a voice behind you go, Manaya? 
and you turn around and it's Captain Lahahana. Uh, this turtle woman, her left arm is in a sling, but she looks otherwise uninjured. Uh, she's accompanied by Zupa, kind of like a neurotic, very anxious kobold boy who's also a sailor. He also looks otherwise uh, unharmed, and she's also accompanied by this human man called Babatunde uh, Mahelona, who's also a sailor. He's kind of like a very, you know him as like a very like uh, similar to Doll, like a very exuberant kind of guy. And he has like one of his eyes is swollen shut from like, looks like a scratch or a gash or something. And his like right arm, right hand is like wrapped up, but he otherwise doesn't look like he's like bleeding to death or anything. And uh, Lahana says, oh, thank Mahu, thank the stars, you're okay. And she rushes forward and hugs you with her good arm. And like Zupa also comes up and hugs you too. Babatunde sort of hangs back, but looks happy to see you. Lahana, Zupa, Babatunde, how are you all? Where are the rest of the crew? The crew is fine, just a few, broken arms and legs but uh, for the worst of us but we're okay no one died that was just so more than we could say for those poor uh, those poor people by the beach oh uh and she just sort of like breaks down and zupa also looks really sad too zupa goes manaya we were so worried about you i'm so glad you're okay yes yes i'm I'm doing fine i'm so glad to see you all is uh uh is there is there a place that we could talk for just a moment yes yes the the tavern let's go back to the tavern it's still standing yes thankfully it is thank mahu mahu protected us i know she did babatunde goes like sort of winks with his one non-swollen eye at you manaya says i'm glad you're alive and looking as good as ever badaya and zupa says he's concussed and and the the four of you make your way back to the tavern. As this happens, Oka, Dewey, and V, you're traveling to Ujad. The journey to Ujad takes you 30 minutes. Uh, sort of cupped between parched scrubland and a tract of heavily eroded soil, the town of Ujad is less of a town and more of a collection of shacks, shanties, tents, and other lost folk who are content with being lost. And in a kind of strange twist of fate, right, the lack of buildings and other proper establishments has spared Ujad the kind of structure-induced chaos that's currently rampant in Solmanad. However, that doesn't mean Ujad has been spared completely. Oka, Dewey, and V, when you arrive at this shantytown, you see a mass of people congregated around a central bonfire that's going even though it's day. Uh, and just about everyone in the crowd is like drinking or smoking something, uh, but they're all staring at something in the middle and whispering to each other. Uh, can I see any of the hounds? Make a perception check. Aha, there we go. That's an 18. 18, yes. Uh, Oka, you okay. see sort of like what appears to be like the hunch over back of that green skinned half orc woman, Mercy. She seems to be in the middle of the crowd. You also see like a few other heads that could belong to the other hounds. I turn to uh, Dewey and V this way. And as I muscle through the crowd, I'm gonna take the cigarette out of someone else's mouth. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, and start smoking it. <laughs> you pluck the hand-rolled cigarette from, from a uh, gnome's, gnome's hand. He goes, hey! But you manage to muscle your way through and you lead your compatriots to the center of this crowd where you see Mercy, a leader of the Hounds of Mercy. She's kind of, um, she's muscled, but in a lith way. She has an eye patch. Uh, she's kneeling in front of and examining some kind of a dead creature 
Um, mm -hmm. This creature is, or rather was, about the size of maybe like a person, maybe like five and a half feet tall, and is vaguely person-shaped too, uh, but its entire body is covered not in skin, but in bristling, spiny teeth. Uh, and several of these teeth are missing, and in the missing spots you see this gory, exposed gum line. Uh, accompanying Mercy are Yakari and Papu. Oka, you know Yakari as a red dragonborn, kind of a brute. He's sort of like your chief rival in the Hounds, and Papu is a half-elf man, the most skilled healer in your group. And Papu is currently crouched over several like injured people, you, and you see like large, sharp teeth lanced through like stomachs, shoulders, legs, almost exactly the same as the tooth that like went through you, Dewey. Oka wouldn't have left the teeth, especially not if one was lodged in Dewey. Oka's gonna wordlessly take out the tooth and just, just like crouch right next to Mercy and just start doing their thing. They're gonna like pull out the tooth and like, like with one hand showing it to Mercy mm. uh, and with the other like just like plunging their fingers into the gaping holes to see like how far the teeth go down, oh, you God. know? Okay, yeah. Uh, why don't you roll uh, investigation with advantage because you're a blood hunter. Mercy sort of looks up from this like tooth creature as you like, as you crouch down next to her and she goes, Oka, there you are. Glad to see you're still alive. You too. Okay. I picked up some stragglers. The bird and the elf. I have a name. Looks can looks can be deceiving. What are your names? Uh, Cardio. Nice to meet you. And I reach out to shake her hand. Uh, she does not take it. Vida. My name is Vida. Nice to meet you. Hmm. Cardio and Vida. Pleasure. This thing attacked in the wee hours of the morning. If you can call it a morning, there's no fucking sun. There's no fucking stars either, Mercy. Uh, Mercy takes the cigarette from you and takes a drag, and Yukari, Yukari goes, I hunted it down. Quick little fucker, you know. Yeah. Not fast enough. Hey, shut up. I'm not happy you're alive or anything. <laughs> Actually, I am, because it makes my life a little more interesting when I have a worthy rival. <laughs> Oka, what did you get on your investigation roll? I got a 16. Okay, this creature is similar to the other creatures. You've never seen anything like it before. And because of that, they seem to belong to the same species. Mm -hmm. As like the little chicken monsters mm -hmm. and the big flesh monster and this tooth monster, mm -hmm. they seem to belong to the same, like, they're definitely of the same blood, let's say. And as you sort of like dig around in like the gums, it's interesting, it's all gum. It's like completely made of gum. There's no bone or anything. With, like, I'm so sorry. I'll stop, I'll stop describing it. It's just teeth growing out of it. It's nasty and gross. Yukari goes, yeah, this thing, this thing started just firing teeth out of nowhere. When, when the, you know, the sun, I guess, the quote-unquote sun started rising. A couple people, as you can see, got injured pretty badly, but we were able, we were able to fight, fight, fed off most of them, and I chased after this one. Really slippery little bugger. It's, uh, really hard to hit, especially in dim light. It seems mm. to just melt into the shadows. The ones we fought were like that, too. Huh, the ones you fought? Uh, and Mercy looks at you and says, Tell me more. Well... And as you begin, yeah. let's cut back to Manaya. Uh, Manaya, you make your way back to the tavern. It's called the Autumn Dragon 
And as you walk in, you see like this tavern has sort of been set up almost as like a tri triage camp. You see a lot of people with like wounds, like nursing them, including the rest of the ruffled turn sailors who sort of look up and like all let out like, ah, like they, they all greet you when you come in. You sort of settle down. Like the bartender gets you a drink for free, like on the house. Like they're not charging anyone here. And as you sit down, you know, Lahahana sits down next to you too, like sort of like, ugh, like holding her like broken arm. She goes, Manaya, what I'm about to tell you of what I saw is very disturbing. So brace yourself. I saw last night with my own eyes, the ocean move like I had never seen it moved before, and Manaya, you know I've seen the ocean in every mood conceivable, but this was terrifying. Huge pillars of water rising up toward the sky, up, 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 so tall and huge, while the stars, Manaya, the stars went out one by one in these straight, perfect lines coming down from north to south. And uh, the, the kobold goes, north to south. <laughs> as, as soon as Yudabathi went out, I couldn't see anything at all, but I could hear those tall, huge pillars of water, tall and wide as the pillars of Rasu in the championship. I swear to Mahu, I could hear these pillars smashing back down into the ocean, and it was like thunder. The beachfront houses are completely destroyed. I don't know how many people lost their lives or homes. It's so hard to tell in the darkness, and the lamps could only shed so much light. <sighs> Thank Mahu, we weren't we weren't by the ruffled turn when all this happened, but she's gone, Manaya. The ship is gone. It was consumed by that huge swell of water that smashed the harbor when those pillars came down. Um. I'm so sorry. It's okay. We'll rebuild. We'll, we'll come back stronger than ever, and once someone figures out what's happening, I'm, I'm sure we'll be able to make the world normal again. It, it's like you said. And Manai reaches out a hand to grab a Hahana's good hand. Oh. And it, it's like you always say, a ship is only as good as her crew. You're right. And we've got the best damn crew in all of Indake. And Zupa says, Are you okay? Is that doll person okay? Oh yes, how is Dollabathy? He's... Well, I, um... Captain, if I could, we could have a word in private? Certainly. Zupa, an another round of drinks, please. And she uh, sort of gets out of the, the booth and follows you to a secluded corner of the tavern. Captain, we met doll... Oh. And Oh no, did he die? Cannot... Was he killed? He is alive. <gasps> he is alive and he's doing very well. Okay. Him and his husband are at their farm. Uh and Husband? Never mind. Yes, uh I can't tell you everything, but what I can tell you is this. Well, first of all, Dahl might not be the man you think he is. Most of his stories were lies, but I'll leave you to figure the rest of that out. Uh, what's important is this. He gave us a lead on what happened, or potentially figuring out what might have happened. Well, if anyone would have a lead, it would definitely be Dal. What do you mean he's a liar? You know what? I'll, I'll take that up with him myself. Who is this lead? What is yes. this lead? Let me start from the beginning. 
I am going to leave out the whole part about the cult, though, because sure. they did tell me not to. Yeah. And by the end of your story, Lahana is just sort of like staring at you, like with a very calm face. And when you finish your story, she takes it in. She says, Manaya, you should see this Dr. Oluso person. For better or for worse, she seems to be Andake's greatest hope. Manaya, if I may be frank, you are our greatest hope. Truth be told, I always thought the ocean was a little too small for you. Oh, Captain, I'm glad I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> Let Zupa down slowly, would you? I will. Fix whatever all of this is, Manaya, and when you're done, come back home. We'll be waiting. Goodbye, Captain. Goodbye, Manaya. Uh, and Captain Lahahana sees you, sees you out. And by the time you get to Ujad, okay, you've finished telling your tale. Do you also leave out the Copper Stewards? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, in fact, get really loud and raunchous about it, and I'm like, these motherfuckers, Mercy. You wouldn't fucking believe the shit that they were trying to pull in that bull. You know, like, just go and it. Drag it. Are you serious? Dragons. <laughs> Dragons are fucking extinct. I would know. We're monster hunters. Uh, they smoked way too many mushrooms, and they fucked everything up for all of us. Now all the gods are gone. <sighs> it's true. Papu has to rely on, you know, his practical knowledge of medicine. Sen isn't responding to his prayers. And by the time you get back here, Manaya, the crowd's mostly dispersed to like their own little corners of the shantytown. And it's just sort of like the hounds and your party uh, in the middle, attending to the wounds and like looking at this tooth creature. Mercy goes, hmm, this must be one of your other friends that you mentioned. Manaya. I'm Mercy. Pleasure. A pleasure as well. Seems like you've outgrown us, Oka. You knew it was gonna happen sometime, Mercy. I just didn't think it would happen so soon, and like this. Well, nobody thought it was going to happen like this. <laughs> so, it's off to the chasm with the four of you, is it? I have to at least make sure we all get there safely. Hmm. How noble of you. The hounds are going to stay here. There's plenty of new monsters for us to hunt. And where there's monsters, there's coin. And Yukari says, aye, aye. Papu gets up from, uh splinting the last leg, sort of dusts off uh, his, his bloodied gloves, turns and says, I'm gonna miss you, Oka. What can I say? You were always the least annoying. Oh, thank you, Papu. I always thought that you were slightly more annoying, but less annoying than everyone else. <laughs> oh, we joke and we kid. <laughs> and do the four of you set out? As we're about to leave, Oka pulls something out of their sash, a rolled up scroll, and they're gonna hand it to Mercy. If I don't come back, burn that. And never talk about it with anyone. And Mercy takes the scroll. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Transplaner. New podcast episodes drop every other Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at Transplaner RPG. Also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at Transplaner RPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. Music is by Connie Chong, CIS, and Fezlian Studios, used with permission.
And of course, a very special thank you to our Patreon paragons, Abigail Rytel, Azura, Brooke Bright, Cora, Charles, Lex, and Purple Mouse. We truly can't do this without you.